0: Hey, what's up? This is Stephen with Avenue Church. So glad you're getting an opportunity to check out our weekly messages. And we hope that something that you hear will help you experience the life that you were created to live in Christ through experiencing His unconditional love, finding your identity in Christ and then getting the opportunity and chance to live out your purpose. Um, this message this podcast is actually a little bit different than what we typically do we're in the middle of a series called hope restored and we're having conversations with families and individuals from our church who walked through a season where it seemed like maybe hope was lost but we serve a savior who is still alive and is involved in our lives today in a very real way um, restoring hope And so I pray that you're encouraged by this conversation and we would love to know how we can pray for you and connect with you. You can text the word Avenue Connect to 97000 and you'll receive a link to let us know those things. Or you can search us on social media, all social media by searching Our Avenue Church or go to our website at OurAvenueChurch.com. Either way, we would love to connect with you and hope that this message is an encouragement to you. Enjoy. There we go. There we go. Tyler um, runs Sound with us and then serves in other areas, and Jessie works the coffee bar. She's a greeter. She does just a little bit of everything, and they were a part of our original launch team, been rolling with us since day one, and uh, Jessie's uh, a West Tennessee girl. Let's go. Any other West 10 folks in the house? We're taking over, right. Um, And then Tyler's from New England, right? Let's go. (laughs) No, 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 Delaware. Delaware, 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 yeah, all up in there. there. He's just (laughs) all up in there and met a Southern belle and uh, just been having an incredible... She's like, really? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And so this this is going to be an incredible conversation. Um, It's going to be a very powerful conversation. They've all been... Extremely powerful in their own right, in their own way, because when God steps into a situation in a story, he brings the power with him, and then the story of that is very powerful. Um, this one is going to be a little bit more intense. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more, um, I want to say, PG 13, maybe, so to speak, and that we're going to talk around Planned Parenthood. We're going to talk about mental health and uh, the weight and the burdens that come with that. But here's what I want to say for us uh, as a church is when you get into Planned Parenthood and abortion, those are very, very hot topics, and um, offense is all around. Um, We're not going to allow offense into this room whatsoever. We're not going to politicize whatsoever. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are pro-life from the womb to the tomb. Right, We're not going to just section off one side. We are pro-life and we have to come to an understanding that we all make decisions a lot of times out of fear and guilt and shame, but God redeems those, right? And so uh, we're just going to believe and pray that their story is an incredible story and it's going to impact us. And, and wherever you're at in whatever the enemy is trying to do to steal, kill, and destroy your life, um, that we make room for Jesus to step in and hold true to his promise that he gives life and life more abundantly, amen. And so I'm gonna pray just that our hearts would be receptive and that you guys would be just completely at peace as the Holy Spirit leads you in sharing this conversation and that, that hearts will be turned and encouraged by his presence, amen. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you, oh, God, for what you have already done in this room and in our hearts that you are not confined to time and space, to a building and um, just a certain hour, that you are always moving in our lives, that you are always present, that you are always listening and watching. And so, God, I pray that even now um, that you would open our hearts uh, to receive your word, uh, to hear how you have been intricately involved um, in Tyler and Jesse's life from beginning to end. Your word says that all the days of our lives are laid out, that you're guiding and directing us along that path. And so, God, I just pray for just an anointing and a peace that surpasses understanding over this couple as we dive in at how you are restoring hope in all seasons and in all situations in Jesus' name. And everyone gives a good amen. Awesome, awesome. Hey, so we want to get to know you guys just a little bit first. So we want to hear a little backstory of where you're from. We know West Tennessee and Delaware, and maybe how you guys met, what brought you to Tennessee, um, what brought you to Murfreesboro. So we'll just start with you, Jesse. Let's go.
1: Yeah, so like Pastor Steven mentioned, I'm from West Tennessee, the Jackson area. Born and raised, all my family are still there. Um, I moved to Middle Tennessee area for college in 2015 and then met Tyler and decided to stick around. Mm. Um, Yeah.
0: Okay, awesome. Now what brought you to Murfreesboro? Uh,
2: Actually, MTSU is a recording industry major. Uh, I came down here for music. And um, I want to say it's been about nine years I've been here in Tennessee. Um, 2000, looking at my mother, is it 2014? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Minutia, it doesn't matter. But you're um, getting old, man. That's what yeah, happens. Yeah. It's just Time all blends just together. Flying.
0: But um, you're going to have to repeat the question. <laughs> we brought to you to Tennessee. <laughs> MTSU, the music yeah. industry. So you wanted to right. be in the music industry, right? Absolutely.
2: Okay. Absolutely. And okay. I was from the northeastern region, Delaware, Philadelphia. Everything's just really close up there. West so it was a complete culture California. shift, you know, coming from up there to down yeah. here. So come on.
1: So we met on Tinder. I realized that was a part of the question. Yeah. We ah, got on Tinder. Let's go.
0: God yeah. can even redeem that. Yeah. There's even redemption in that. Yeah, I'll, I'll say and this. some of you are like, is it on my phone? Did I delete it? Is it in the cloud? <laughs> We were, we don't were play rich about that
2: at first. <laughs> but yeah. once we started developing the foundations of like a healthy marriage, it, yeah. was, it was more of a success story, and we're we're willing to give that information out. But at first, it was like, yeah. Yeah, know.
1: we couldn't get our story straight. We'd like we would tell some people <laughs> right. it was a coffee shop, and then other people. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like okay. listen,
0: right. we got to get it right. Yeah. If we're right. gonna lie, we have to tell the same lie, yeah. you know. But I just love that that that, that God even uses that as a part of the story, right? Now, teenagers in the room, get it off your phone, right? No. <laughs> but but even with that, and so don't be ashamed of that. Like, God wants to use the messy and the embarrassing parts of our story to speak to others. So you guys met up on Tinder and then just talked for like a month or two, right? Like, you guys really, like, it was, it was more than what Tinder's initial like structure and purpose for right exactly. you guys yeah. actually we, found we, connection we
2: were both kind of in a, an interesting situation we both just gotten out of really serious and draining physically and emotionally relationships yeah where we we weren't looking for what you typically get on tinder for um we were right. we were just looking for someone to talk to someone to vent right. to and it was really interesting yeah. because in the first conversation that we had we threw all of the negativity out right to there to begin with and you knew when really, you ran. Right. What's that? You didn't run after no, that. No, right? yeah. We but, were just kind of sitting there, like, oh, well, this is cool. Yeah. You're not too bad, yeah. you know. It was it was a pretty interesting yeah. dynamic to our first couple conversations, but uh, yeah,
1: we were like trying to run each other off in a way, because uh, I think neither of us really were ready for a serious relationship coming okay. out of what we had been in, right. and so we were kind of just like throwing stuff at each other, like, "All right, you turn, run, yeah. run," and neither of us kept staying, and yeah. like yeah, here we are. Yeah.
0: So t- tell us a little bit about your faith story. So before you got here, um, did you have a relationship with God well, growing up? Did you go to church? So what did that look like?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in church. My dad has always been in the ministry. My mom was in the ministry as well. So up until I was around age five or six, we were Pentecostal, okay. and then my parents divorced and kind of went to different denominations and okay. kind of church hopped from there. Um, and so I stayed in church up until high school, and then when I moved to college, I had a lot of church hurt from some of the hopping around that we did and some of the things I experienced in my childhood. Okay. So I completely negated my faith and... Um, pretty much decided that if there was a God, I didn't want much to do with him. Wow, okay. And that was kind of my stance when people tried to talk to me about religion for probably four or five years in that interval.
0: You had seen the ugly side of it.
1: Yeah. I'd experienced a lot of burn from trying to participate in faith. And so I pretty, I wrote it off pretty quickly, I think.
0: Okay. And your story's a kind of similar, Yeah. Similar. Right?
2: yeah I mean, pastor kid, that was kind of the spark, uh, when we first started talking about, we were both pastors kids and, um, I saw a different side. I mean, I saw my dad really struggle in the church with the business side and the political side of the church as opposed to what he felt he felt called to minister and to reach out to kids who weren't in the church and bring them in as a pastor and a youth pastor. And so I saw a lot of the ugly and the, the, the political side of that church and kind of generated an opinion of the ugly in, in the church. You know, And when, when moving down here, I wasn't necessarily running away, but coming closer to the Bible, the stereotypical Southern church, embodied a lot of those things that I'd seen in the Northeast. And then I was not super pleased with that, trying to get involved. So I wasn't necessarily running away, but I was kind of keeping my distance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily burnt, but, you know, not, not into it.
0: Right, right. And, what you know, e- in each story that we've had, just to kind of speak to this a little bit, like, and probably a lot of us in this room have experienced what we want to call church hurt, Right where we've been hurt by people in the church, and just I want us to always keep in mind, and this is one of the things that we try to do here at Avenue is we want to be a church for anybody, and I know we're not a church for everybody, but we want to be a church for anybody, um, and it's it's not really, and you guys know this now on this side of it, it wasn't necessarily the the church that hurt, but it was the people in the church. And the church, every church you go to is going to be full of people unless it's an empty church. If you don't want to experience church hurt, go to that church where nobody else goes, <laughs> right? But we are all hurt and broken people, and there's going to be times to where we experience that. And you don't realize that when you're in the middle of it, but when you come out of it, you realize those are just hurt people hurting other people. So, so you guys at this point have both kind of walked away from God um, coming into relationship with each other. And that relationship escalated pretty quickly, right? Um, Got the cart before the horse in in some instances, right? And so we found ourselves um, pregnant and not knowing what to do. And I'm sure the um, voices in our heads from past church experiences, right, on what happens in situations like this begins to weigh us down. Um, but, uh, talk us through when you found out, oh, we've met on Tinder and we've been dating a couple of months and now we find ourselves in this situation. Talk us through that, those emotions.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of emotions for sure. <laughs> a lot of shock. All, <laughs> All the emotions. So we had been officially dating for a month when okay. I found out I was pregnant. Okay. Um, and I was a junior in college at the time, so I was at MTSU. Um, Tyler was already out of school um, and working and just kind of entered the working world.
0: So a junior in college has been forever since 19, 20?
1: Yeah, I think I was. I had just turned 19, right. maybe 20. I'm not okay. sure. It was. I wasn't 21. I wasn't legal because okay. um, I was nine months pregnant on my 21st birthday. Okay. So I guess it <laughs> well, adds let's up, go. yeah. Oh, no. okay. um, but, yeah, I found out I was pregnant, called Tyler, um, told him. I think we both had a lot of shell shock. There was a lot of silence for about 24 hours just digesting what that meant, and a lot of fear. Um, Neither of us were in a place to be ready. I mean, we were still barely taking care of ourselves at the time. Um, You know, I joke and say I spent my last 20 bucks on a pregnancy test to find out that I was even pregnant. So we certainly weren't in the financial stability. And as far as mentally goes, I certainly was not in a good mental health space. My mental health had deteriorated. As I left West West Tennessee, I had a lot of uh, childhood trauma and abuse that I finally allowed to catch up to me that I had ran from. And so I had kind of plummeted to that sense. So it was kind of a stop when I found out I was pregnant of just like a, a whirlwind, pretty much.
0: So let's so speak to that just for a moment. So there were things that you said that you were running away from, from West Tennessee to Middle Tennessee. And even with the life that you were trying to create here, in a sense, you were still running away from that. Um the mental health issues and depression and just different things. And that was coming from past trauma and what you saw your parents go through and all those things. And so um, just when you think it couldn't get any worse in that moment it does. Yeah,
1: I um, I had told myself I would never get married. I would never have to have children because I had been through a lot of emotional things um, from my childhood, and I never wanted that to be fruitful for me. Right. So I kind of said it stops with me. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to risk hurting any children. I'm not going to risk putting myself in that situation. And so I decided I would go to school and maybe see where that took me, but I definitely was not in pursuit of a family or children by any means. So
0: You wanted it to end with you. Yeah, you there wasn't to the be a chance. Yeah. And the pain
1: to end I, I knew how unstable I was mentally, and I knew that if I had a child, well, I thought I knew if I had a child, that I would carry that onto them and pour that into them. And so I didn't even want to risk carrying, you know, that it's a generational thing, you know, and it had been followed into me, and I wasn't going to allow that to burn onto others. That's the
0: one. Yeah. Man. Tyler, what were you experiencing?
2: A lot of selfishness, you know, I mean, in your late teens, early 20s, you you pretty much hear that news and you think your life is over. You know, all the goals and plans that you had for yourself, whatever that may be, just completely abolished. Um, You know, I I was luckily not raised in a household that allowed me to think that running away from that was really an option, um, which I'm thankful for. But but yeah, you just don't know what to think. Everything that you had planned
0: is just kind of gone. You know, you feel pretty helpless. Just all out the window. Okay. I've ruined my life. The plans that I had, we've all experienced to some degree that like I can't I can't come back from this. I can't come back from this. So, we're wrestling with these emotions and what we try to do when we find ourselves in situations that seem unfixable? What do we try to do? We try to fix it ourselves. And you guys chose to pursue and look into planned parenthood. Now, I want to say something for her that she said when we had lunch. She said, I want to be very clear. It's not what I wanted to do. But you felt like this is the choice that you had to make. And I want to say this for all of us, is that there are all things that we do that are horrible ideas, but it's not because we have a burning desire and want to do them, but we feel like it could be our only Resort. It's it's the only path and avenue that we have. So speak to us just a little bit about about that for you.
1: Yeah. So I don't even remember the steps that I took to contact Planned Parenthood, but it was pretty quickly after um, we had gotten the false pregnancy te- or the positive pregnancy test. It was within forty eight hours. Okay. Um, so I called and just said, "Hey, I'm pregnant. Um, I want to find out more about what you guys do," and booked my initial consult with them. Um, Yeah, there was a lot of emotions that came along with it, but I was pretty dead set on it from the beginning. I don't think, you know, I was in a very selfish mindset at the time. Um, And uh, to be transparent with my mental health, I was suicidal, and I'd had failed suicide attempts in the past, and I had future plans. Um, And so I guess I saw that as another selfishly check, you know, box to check of, like, well, if if this is my path, this is the box I'm going to have to check to get there. And so I just said, okay, you know, let's sign up and do it. Um, And so I made the appointment, and... Went And we had we scheduled it the next day. So it was less than 72 hours that I went to Planned Parenthood for our first consult um, after finding out we were pregnant.
0: You did say something in our lunch, which, which I think you, you said just then. It was kind of selfish. But when we had lunch, it, it, it wasn't so much. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. of your mental health and what you knew you were going through, because you spoke to this just a minute ago, you wanted it to end with you. And so you did not want to bring a child into having to wrestle with that, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's a 50 across the hindsight because, yeah. you know, part of me looks at it and says, wow, that was very selfish of me to not even want to give it a chance, right. you know, to just immediately write it off. But then when I dig deeper into it, I realize I, I was trying to do it from a selfless perspective. You know, right. I didn't want to hurt the child. I knew we couldn't afford the child. And I was acting more out of fear. Um, And I think a lot of women that find themselves in that situation, you know, it's sometimes personified as a very selfish decision, especially when you get political. But I don't think women realize there are other outlets. And so it does start to become very selfless when they think, well, I can't hurt this child. I can't do this to them because they don't feel like they have the power to. Um, And they're thinking outside of themselves there.
0: So when she gives you this information, Tyler, that this is what she wants to pursue, what was your... First response. Oh, man, it's hard to it's hard to go back to that time. I don't.
2: I remember feeling guilt immediately, um, and then obviously, in the, the the repercussions of that could potentially drive a wedge between what we've already built. Which, up until that point, um, my experience in relationships was either just just physical, or just not really existent. You know, it was just. Not real connection. Um, And so I was worried that that could ultimately push a wedge between us and have us just kind of deteriorate, you know?
1: Yeah. And there was a lot of fear, you know, like when we said, when we met, we just laid all our cards out on the table. I told him I was suicidal. And so I think the exact verbiage I used was don't get used to me sticking around. Like you can enjoy the time we have left together. And I don't know how much time that is, but don't, don't plan a future with me. Um, And he kind of was just like, okay, challenge accepted type situation um, he was Challenges. not afraid of that, um, but I think for Tyler, I remember there being a lot of fear because he was—he knew that that would have been the nail in the coffin for me. Yeah. Essentially, he—he he knew that that would have been my final breaking point. Yeah. That would have led me there. I think so. Along the way, his touch points were: "Where's your mental health at? You know, what does this mean? What, what's going to happen afterwards?" And so he was—he was very afraid. I do remember that fear. Yeah.
0: Tyler, thank you for accepting that challenge. Right, come on. Um, so, so what shifted? So you, you've made the first appointment. And how many appointments were there before
1: um, There were the supposed final? to be three total. Okay. There, um, we had gone to two. So the first was just a general health appointment, you know, looking at blood work, confirming the pregnancy, um, finding out how far along we were. And we caught it pretty early. Um, so I was around five weeks pregnant at our first appointment, and we staggered them weeks apart. Um, the following appointment was counseling. Um, with Planned Parenthood, where they went over, you know, after effects and um, some health complications that I may have in my future and things like that. And then we had scheduled our third appointment for the end of March, and that was going to be the actual procedure where we had, had the abortion.
0: So, how 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 long was the time, and we didn't talk about this, was the time between the second appointment and the third appointment? because?
1: Probably about two weeks. I so I remember calling, two weeks. Yeah, um, because they, you know, when you get to your third appointment or your second and third appointment, they start to schedule a procedure, and then you're based around their calendar for that. Um, and so I remember it was a little more staggered than the initial consult.
0: Okay. So we're walking through that, carrying the weight and processing, knowing that that day is coming, and the day does come. And so we drive onto the property. We've made the decision. We're going, and then kind of talk us through um, – when you get there what are you feeling what caused you to change change your mind
1: yeah so definitely in the two weeks leading up to the appointment there was a lot of guilt like Tyler said I I call it a burning feeling in my did you guys
0: talk about it at all during that those two weeks or we kind of avoid it yeah
1: I mean
2: I don't I don't remember the specific conversations but mostly kind of what you touched on before just clarifying and making sure that this was a decision that she was comfortable making okay and and trying to work through a plan to to make sure that we stay close and together throughout the consequences okay. or, the, you know, the follow back or the flashback from what that would do. Um, yeah, I mean, not okay.
1: Yeah, for me, like I said, it's a burning throat feeling, so I would just be going about my day, you know, going through the checklist mindset that I was in, and I would feel that. And looking back at it now that I've built my faith, I realized that was conviction from the Holy Spirit. Right. And at That's the time, cool. I didn't recognize that. I just assumed it was just like a gut, you know, like... Oh, I don't feel good about this feeling, but I was very, very set on it. Um, so I would just kind of keep myself busy and distracted and keep trucking through it. Um, so our appointment was at 7 a.m. on a morning. It was in Nashville. So um, Tyler and I drove a completely silent car ride. I don't think we said a word to yeah, each it was other. was a rough car ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just <laughs> stared straight ahead. I don't even know how we got there, to be honest. Um, and we sat in the car for about 15 minutes Um, Before going into the building and we had gotten there early to just kind of intentionally digest what we were doing and you know Just to have some time together before the procedure Um, And I I don't remember exactly what caused me to look up But I looked in my rearview mirror and there was a guy sitting at the driveway So they have a a fenced-in thing between their parking lot and their driveway And he was sitting right outside the property line on the fence and he was in a lawn chair And I remember very specifically he was drinking a coffee and had a sign up in one hand And I couldn't read exactly what the sign said, and I can't remember what it said now, but it was not condemning. You know, a lot of people paint protesters in a very hateful light, and I know that they can be, but this was not that at all. Um, It was just, you're loved. Mm -hmm. That's the message I took away from it. And I don't know what a sign said. It had a scripture on it. I didn't know the scripture, but I just felt loved in that moment. That burning throat feeling kept coming back, kept coming back. Um, And before we knew it, it was 7 o'clock, and I just kind of sat there in silence staring at this guy, Um, And a lot of thoughts went through my mind at that time. You know, I had a cousin that had had several miscarriages and I started feeling guilt for her. And just a lot of things that I had never thought through through this process just popped in my mind at the time. And finally, at like 7.05, Tyler said, hey Jess, it's it's 7.05. And they had been very clear to us that if we were late, we were going to have to reschedule, and, you know, you don't want that when you're pregnant because the further along you get, the further, you know, there's more life involved, right. and we knew that right. coming into it, and so he was like, are, are we going to go in? What are we going to do? Um, and I said, just give me a second. I need a few more minutes, and we'll go in, and I, I opened the car door and kind of turned my shoulders and just looked at the concrete, and I hadn't prayed at that point in probably three to four years. I mean, I didn't even know how to pray. I'd lost that that skill set. Um, And I just said, God, if I do this, if I do whatever this throat-burning feeling is, you have to take care of us. You have to take care of this baby because I can't do it. Um, And I, I I didn't even tell Tyler I prayed that. I closed my eyes and I said it in my head and I just shut the car door and I said, drive me home. And we went home.
0: So when she said, Tyler, drive me home,
1: he had no idea what happened.
0: <laughs> an
2: absolute whirlwind of emotions. I mean, already, I, as we were sitting in that car, you know, you, you watch the, the movies where someone gets bad news from the doctor, and then the the ringing starts, and they're just off in a different world. Yeah. I was already there. It's
0: like shell shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And then you hear, like, the little DJ, we're going home. And I'm just completely... I, I didn't know what to say. You know, I just, I just drove. We drove back in silence, too.
1: Another silent car Another ride. Another silent <laughs>
0: car ride. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Wow. And then um, processing, okay, we're doing this. We're going to have a child together. We weren't married, still just newly dating, but staying committed to each other, right? Um, Ashton's how old now?
1: He will be six in October.
0: Let's go. Let's go. Um, And it wasn't easy.
1: Still is not easy. easy. (laughs) (laughs) It
0: is not easy. It's it's still not. Um, So we go through with the pregnancy and the delivery and becoming a mom and becoming a dad. Uh, But you weren't yet husband and wife, even after you became mom and dad. Uh, talk about the reasoning behind that, just briefly.
2: Well, I was, um, I, you know, just respected my decisions because I, I I would come to the conclusion that I truly wanted to do something, right? You know, I, I I hate the idea of being influenced to do something because it's the the right thing to do, you know, because if your heart's not in it, it's not going to be. Like, a, like an intimate and and loving marriage. So it took me a bit of time for me to actually understand okay, this is the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. So it took about a year for me to kind of see the the collaboration, you know, the what we could do together and come together in that that struggle. Right. And 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 really what type of foot we could put forward, you know. Right.
1: Yeah, and I was very clear um, in saying, do not marry me because you got me pregnant. You know, like, marry me because of me, because you love right. me. And we never had the chance to date. You know, yeah. we we were two months in and pregnant, and then the little bit of dating we did have was pretty challenging. You know, yeah. we're learning yeah. how to be pregnant, <laughs> and we had to live together. We, we, went, we ripped off all the Band-Aids that most people do their first couple years of marriage in nine months, and we had right. a timeline on it. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that he was thoughtful and intentional in that for me, not right. for... Because I knew he was going to be dad. Like, he had made it very clear regardless of the decision that we made that he was going to be there. Um, and so I wanted him to be there for me by choice, not by right.
2: force. And we wanted to avoid the potential resentment in a situation where we felt like we were forced into something without feeling like we're convicted to do it ourselves. Right. You know?
1: And so. I, a divorce was not on the table for me because, you know, once I I didn't want children because of some of the divorce you know mess that I went through as a kid. And so I said, if you marry me, you're stuck with me. Like, it's not <laughs> <laughs> tough yeah. luck. You know, we're in yeah. this for the long haul. Um, that wasn't on the, the, the table, and so... That
0: was, yeah, he's stuck. You, come on, let's go. He's stuck. Um, you shared something with us at lunch, Jesse, that I thought was so powerful as far as how you, your experience as a mom trying to go to college, finish your degree, work, that when you would go into the store, just kind of how you felt when people saw you. Would you care to share something?
1: Yeah, there was definitely um, a shield, I think, of judgment that was immediately plastered on me as a young mom. You know, I was covered in tattoos. I didn't have a motherly bone in my body. Um, Ashton was colicky and cried all the time. And so I remember any time we left the house, I probably looked frazzled. He was probably screaming. You could tell we didn't have money. Like, we were just trying to figure it out. And I remember, you know, going into stores, just being overwhelmed, looking at you know pregnancy aisles and formula just trying to figure out what do I need you know I didn't I spent the pregnancy trying to figure out what was going on I didn't know you had a registry um I think my mother-in-law actually was like hey you should make a registry so people can get you (laughs) things and I was like what's that (laughs) like I didn't know it was a a thing and so uh, I remember just standing in pregnancy aisles staring at formula and diapers and people just looking at me just kind of with not disgust but just like "Ah, she's you know
0: get your life together yeah Mm -hmm. what are you
1: doing kid and I felt that and Then once Ashton was born, we had different last names. You know, we weren't married yet, and so I would go into an appointment with a a Medicaid or, you know, some type of government thing trying to get assistance, and I could feel the weight of that, of, you know, here's this young kid covered in tattoos, obviously not dressed well, screaming kid, no ring, Medicaid card, profiled.
0: Can I say we've all been guilty of that in some level, right? Um, And not knowing that that person is in the middle of their story, that God is still riding and we don't know what journey and what path they're going to take to get them to where God, God has them. Here you go, Tyler. I'll, I'll give one too, Bob. All right, we'll do this together. Um, right? And, and, and knowing that, and when she said that at lunch, like that was convicting to me, um, because even though we preach compassion and love, there's still this worldly flesh thing in us that wants to foresee the log that's in our eye to point out the speck that's in somebody else's, as Jesus says, right. And so, just to see how you guys have walked with God in overcoming that is just is just incredible. So, um, you decided to propose, right? It came the point, yeah, at and- uh, his first birthday.
1: Have pictures Ashton is in every monumental picture <laughs> from our life because he didn't leave our hips. But yeah. he was at the proposal, he was at my college graduation, he was at our wedding. Um so in every occasion there's Ashton in all the major pictures. Yeah, and I look
2: just like this the whole time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: complete mess. I looked pretty frazzled, I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah Jesse's frazzled. Tyler's crying and so when 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 we when when we ask them a few months That's back the story of her life. <laughs> Amen. It's like Tyler's like, I don't know if I can do this, man. You know I'm gonna cry. I'm like, that's fine. I'm gonna cry too. It's gonna be, it's gonna be all good because God is good. And you just like He fills us with emotions to be able to enjoy Him. And so so you guys stepped out in obedience, following Him, trusting Him, and the hard things. Um, maybe not doing it. Can I just say this? Maybe not doing it in the order that we look at the way it should be done. There is an order to things, truthfully, but even if we get it out of order in our own way, God can adjust our steps and put things in order that are out of order for his good and for his glory and and for our good. So you guys have been married now how long?
1: Going on five years. Come on, let's go
0: five years. And just tons of, of blessings in the process as you guys have have walked in obedience? Um, could you, and I know you had a whole list of some of those on your phone. Do you have just a couple of those yeah. maybe in memory that, that you could share?
1: There's so many ways that God showed up um, and even still continues to show up in our lives. You know, I was, at the time, I didn't know I was strategic in my prayer when I said that at Planned Parenthood about God take care of us. Um but I was, and I realized God gave me those words at the time, um, to what I needed from him. He gave me what to ask. Because instantly, when I said yes to Ashton, he said, he opened up doors. You know, we finally started sharing with everyone that we were pregnant around six months. You know, I couldn't hide it anymore physically. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I shared it with um, someone I worked with at the time. I was a working part-time to get through college. And I said, yeah, like, I'm pregnant. We're just trying to figure out how to get a house, how to do all the things. And, you know, working... Part-time income in school, you know, we didn't have the money to do it. And the next day, um, one of my managers that I was working with donated a full nursery. Um, So she donated crib, clothes, changing table. Um, We went to go look at a house that we couldn't afford, that we didn't meet any of the requirements from. And they just said, you know what, we like you, you can move into it. And so within a month, we were living in a house we couldn't afford. Um, Yeah. Um, That's just one of the big ways... um, Like I said, I didn't even know that Medicaid was a thing. I'd been on my parents' insurance. I was still a kid. Um, And so I went to the health department after Planned Parenthood because, you know, I had no idea what what do you do when you're pregnant, where do you go. So I went to the health department. They signed us up for Medicaid, WIC, all of the things we needed to get through the pregnancy. Um, I ended up having a high-risk pregnancy. I was pretty sick the whole time there wasn't a single medical bill that came out of any of it, whether it have been the government insurance covering it, or there were times we did have to pay out of pocket where a check just showed up in the mail that I'd overpaid a student loan two years ago that I didn't know was coming that covered like the expenses. Right, right on time too. Like it was, you know what I mean? Like we never went. without.
2: Yeah. really it, yeah. it yeah. showed yeah. up in
1: the mail. We never went without um, in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, like I said, we, we were low income, so neither of us really had reliable cars. Um, I was walking, the house that we got approved for was right across from MTSU, so I was walking across the street to and from class, pregnant, (laughs) and um, I had a father figure in my life pass away with cancer, and when he passed away, he gave Tyler a car, um, a brand new... um, I'll remind
2: you, the week that he gave us that, my car had broken down, yeah, and I couldn't get to work. We were
1: walking, and they... they And let's let's also
2: just point out the fact that me and Les had bonded over this car before he passed from cancer, Mm -hmm. and that was my dream car. I mean, he didn't of,
0: know of all he all
1: of the cars. Car. Yeah,
0: he had no idea. He didn't know the car had broken down. Because yeah. he was in the hospital. Yeah, right? he had And he no was idea. like, you can have my car. And it's your dream car. Yeah, it's just bizarre.
1: I think that's what Ashton left the hospital in, is a bright orange challenger. <laughs> 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 I bet the nurses were really confused, like <laughs> We had to ask how to buckle him up, you know? Yeah,
0: like, then we put him in his. Yeah, like we were like, does
1: it go this way? We harness. had him forward facing, I think. And the nurse was like, actually, like we were going to put him, him in around. the truck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's but awesome. But he got home. That's awesome. I that love
2: it. We, we had like a look we gave each other too because there was a point in time where just about every other week there was something that showed up that God was, Yeah. it was totally a blessing.
1: Yeah. We, we never went hungry. I mean, Tyler lost his job for six months while I was still in college. We never missed a rent payment. We never missed a medical bill. We never missed groceries. We never went without, and it was because of the support from either our community, or I mean, God. It, it was only God showing up and using people as a vessel to provide for us, um, and He still is doing that today.
0: Come on, let's give God another hand. Ashton is almost six, and he is a passionate child.
1: He's that's something. It's a, <laughs> a good word for it.
0: Listen, I've got one, too. I know. Like, like for their first, they came um, to a Vision Sunday that we had before launch, and we were still building our team, and he was three at the time, and you could tell you guys were a little nervous, like he's probably going to ruin this party for you guys. You know? I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> no, no he, he, he went with Jennifer and he had some dinosaurs and he was good. He's going to be an archaeologist. He's just so, so smart. Um, but you guys not only have an incredibly passionate, loving six-year-old, uh, but God has blessed you with another, right? Eli, right? Yeah,
1: Eli was born in September of this past year. Come on. Um, and he's Come a great on. baby.
0: We prepared for this one. <laughs> He's ready. like, we You're prepared ready, for man. this
2: one. We prepared. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot smoother of an experience.
0: <laughs> a lot <laughs> smoother of experience, and God's blessings just keep coming, and there's stuff still coming that, you know, we it's just it's just so so incredible. Um, when they joined the launch team, we were running hardcore, guys. Like we were a launch team of like forty people and we were running two services and so our A team was serving literally every service every Sunday and this was their first church experience in a long time and I remember having we went to puckett's after a Sunday cuz i could just tell that you guys were just weary and you know frazzled and i did not know as much of your story as what i know now and they were like i f- i just feel like we're not Connecting with people, and it hurt my heart as a church planner because that's what you want. But they stuck with us. And they dug in, and you guys have made some incredible connections and relationships, and just near and dear to our hearts. And many of you that are here, their hearts as well. And um, God is setting a new trajectory for for you guys. And um, Jesse, you said something at the beginning in this conversation that you wanted generational stuff to end with you and you saw the way that you thought it would it could end and I very well believe that generational stuff is still ending with you I didn't say any of this at our lunch thanks (laughs) but it's it's there's not just an ending now there is a beginning. Yes. <laughs> Tyler, you need one. <laughs> to... Right? The <laughs> There's not just an ending now. There is a beginning, and it is true where it says that he makes all things new. Yes. And so it's not just you're ending what you thought was going to be your future. God is completely riding a whole new future for both of you. For both of you, um, and, you know, just the scripture in John says what the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, And sometimes the decision that we think, you know, she was trying to protect life in some instances. But the enemy in that decision was trying to destroy life. uh, Because the enemy is the father of lies, and he's very deceptive, and we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And thank God you took that moment and 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 that's what it is, guys. It's just taking a moment just to whisper a prayer, just to listen to the Holy Spirit, but then to be obedient, close the door and just say "Come on let's let's go home, let's go home." um If you could share just one and and for some of you, listen, like it's not like you're thinking about Planned Parenthood, but sometimes we find ourselves in a situation to where we feel like our backs are in the corner, right? Our backs are against the wall. If you could give a word of advice and encouragement for anyone in here that maybe feels like you're in the corner and you don't know a way out.
1: Yeah, looking back on some of the suffering that I felt in my childhood and maybe some of the selfishness um, that I was dealing with in my adulthood, I wish someone would have just told me, it's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Um It was a generational curse on my back, leading me to believe that I couldn't carry on the path of motherhood, which is now my greatest calling. Um, It was, there were things that I was carrying that weren't mine to carry, that I was born with, that I had to break, Um, and looking at, knowing what I know now, Ashton is gonna change the world. He's, there's no doubt in my mind that kid is gonna change this world. Um, and it was never about me. I mean, God restored me. The fact that I'm alive and breathing, um, at a time where I didn't want to live, that's restoration, but it was bigger than that. Um, and he's sitting in the room.
0: Bigger than that. Bigger than that. Yeah. You guys can come on up.